brought to you by the Appleseed. It's like a regular episode. Only shorter. We call them Bites. Thanks for joining us for this Appleseed Bite, a mini episode of the show, a single story long, just a few minutes in case you've only got a few minutes and you want to fill those few minutes with some great storytelling. And of course, we bring to you a few of these mini episodes each week in preparation for bringing you every Thursday an hour-long episode of the Appleseed filled with stories that can change your world. In the next hour-long episode of the Appleseed, you'll hear from Robert B. Jones, the wonderful Detroit blues musician, storyteller, and pastor of a flock. In fact, he'll tell us about how he was asked to be the pastor of his Detroit congregation, not in spite of his love of the blues, but because of it. You won't want to miss that episode of The Appleseed. Again, new episodes drop every Thursday. In the meantime, I'm pleased to have in the studio with me one of our assistant producers, Trent Horton. Trent, it's great to have you with me. It's good to be here. How are you? I'm all right. And we're going to hear a story from Donna Ingham. Tell us about this tale. Yeah, so something I really like about Donna Ingham's delivery in this story is just how matter-of-fact it is. (laughs) And you almost don't realize that you might be getting the wool pulled over your eyes a little bit until... Until you start thinking about what's going on, yeah. <laughs> just because she delivered, she's just talking about it like it's just something that happened the other day, you know. That's right, Donna Ingham, the renowned Texas tall tale teller, and I agree with you. There's a kind of deadpan delivery that sort of disguises the fact that you're hearing a fantastical tale until it's almost too late. Right? Mm-hmm. The story is called "The Meandering Melon," and we're happy to bring it to you here on the Appleseed. <laughs> there in Terry County, my daddy liked to grow things. He did. He raised livestock, of course. Cattle, horses, bird dogs, guinea fowl. You name it, he'd try it. For crops, he raised cotton on the back 40 and alfalfa down in the draw. And every year, he had a big garden. There by the house, he'd plant tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers. And out in the field, he'd plant quarter-mile rows of field corn and black-eyed peas and string beans. That was in the spring. In the fall, he'd plant turnips. Every year, my daddy got his picture in the Brownfield News and Terry County Herald holding the longest cucumber or the biggest turnip. And one spring, he decided to plant some watermelons in between the corn rows. And not just any watermelons either, no, sir. He planted black diamond watermelons, the ones that are dark green on the outside and ruby red on the inside. Big-hearted watermelons they are. Oh, they are good. Well, your black diamonds grow big anyway, but this one particular melon got to growing bigger and bigger and bigger until... Pretty soon, it was pushing out beyond the cornrows. It uprooted about a quarter acre or so. It got too big for Daddy to load in the back of the pickup and take into town to have his picture made with it. So he just called the editor of the newspaper and said, You're going to have to come out here this year, boys. I've got something you've got to see. And they did. So there stood my Daddy with his hand up on that watermelon 
Oh, it was way taller than he was, and my daddy was five foot nine with his boots off. Then my stepmother got to thinking about what it was she wanted to take to the county fair that year in the way of canned goods. She didn't enter the baked goods, but she did love to can. Her corn relish had won the blue ribbon just the year before. Well, she got to thinking about those watermelons, and she had a real good recipe for watermelon preserves. So she decided to try her hand at that. She went up to the field to look over the crop, and naturally her eye fell upon that great big old melon that Daddy had had his picture made with. She said to herself, I wonder if that melon is any good. I reckon I'd better plug it and find out. Now, she had an eight-inch butcher knife with her, and she began to cut through the rind in a triangle shape like any good plugger does. But I'm telling you, the rind was so thick that when she pulled that plug out, it was all rind. There wasn't any melon meat on it. So she stuck her hand in through the plug hole, clear up to her shoulder, but still all she could feel was rind. Well, that provoked her some, and she took that butcher knife and kept hacking away at the plug hole until, before long, it was big enough she could step inside, aiming to get to the heart of that watermelon. You know... I think everything would have been all right if there hadn't been just a little slope to that field. But there already being some strain on the vine there, what with that big old melon on it, when my stepmother added her weight to it, it was just too much for that little old bitty stem, and it just popped right off. The next thing she knew, she was tumbling head over heels over head over heels inside the watermelon as it rolled down the slope out of the corn patch and onto the county road, taking out about a half a mile of fence posts as it went. And Daddy was over standing by the barn when he looked up and saw his melon rolling by. And he could hear his wife's voice from inside hollering, The heart! The heart! Well, he thought she was having a heart attack, so he jumped in his pickup, pushing the case of cannon jars he'd bought that morning at the Piggly Wiggly over to one side and got in behind the melon. The county road made a little banking turn there as it came into town, and it just kicked that watermelon over onto Highway 82, so now it was on its way to Lubbock by way of Meadow, Ropesville, and Wolferth. The melon was rolling right down the middle of the highway, forcing cars and pickups and 18-wheelers off into the bar ditch. It was mowing down mailboxes and Burma shave signs. Daddy was doing his best to keep up. Meanwhile, police cars and ambulances and fire trucks were falling in behind him. There was even a traffic helicopter flying overhead. All Daddy had to do to get up to the minute reports was just turn on the radio. The runaway melon is approaching Lubbock at a very high rate of speed. It is headed right for the South Plains Fairgrounds. The midway has been evacuated and the exhibits area is on high alert. Lucky for everyone concerned... The melon didn't quite negotiate a sharp curve in the highway going into Lubbock, and 
It bounced off into McKenzie Park, right in the middle of Prairie Dog Town. And no animals were hurt in this part of the story. There it was, rolling across all those prairie dog holes, and they must have acted just like hundreds of little speed bumps, because they sure enough did start to slow that melon down. So by the time it bounced on over to the South Plains fairgrounds, it rolled to a stop, just as docile as you please, right in front of the food exhibits building. Daddy came to a screeching halt in the pickup and bailed out, still thinking his wife was having a heart attack. Are you all right, sweet thing? Do you need CPR? Well, she came climbing out of that melon all red in the face and spitting seeds. No, I'm all right, she said. I just wish I had my canning jars because I don't think I'm going to have time to get my preserves made and entered in the county fair. Not to worry, Daddy said. I've got a case of jars right here in the pickup. All you need to do is scoop out some of the heart of that watermelon and stir it up in those jars. You don't even need to add sugar. You know how sweet those black diamonds are. You'll win a blue ribbon for sure. She pulled herself up to her full height, brushed herself off as best she could, and did exactly what he said. And by doggies, she did win another blue ribbon. And I think the melon would have won a blue ribbon too if it hadn't had so many miles on it. <laughs> the story was The Meandering Melon, a delightful Texas tall tale from a Texas tall tale teller. And I've been listening to it not only with you, but with uh, one of our assistant producers, Trent Horton. Trent, thanks for bringing that story to us. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's a fantastical tale, but where does that tale take you? You know, it reminded me of um, watching a movie when I was younger. I You've probably heard of of James and the Giant Peach. Sure. It's a book by Roald Dahl, um, but it's also a movie, a stop-motion picture that just terrified me as a kid. In in the movie, um, a kid goes inside this giant peach. It's not a giant watermelon, but he's inside of a fruit, and they they kind of travel around inside this peach. It reminded me of that story hmm. um, a little bit as, as she was bouncing down the road in a watermelon. <laughs> You know, this story is a, a, a kind of part of a tradition of runaway food stories, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was a kid, uh, my mother told me the story of the, you know, the runaway gingerbread man, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and this story comes kind of from that tradition, you know. It's great to hear Donna Ingham telling a story, again, as you mentioned before the story, that almost feels plausible until it mm-hmm. until it takes a turn, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know that it's going to be something a little bit extreme until 
until you're already there. <laughs> well, uh, it's been a pleasure for us to bring this story to you uh, on this Appleseed Bite today. And of course, join us on the next full hour-long episode of The Appleseed, in which we'll hear a great performance recorded live in the Appleseed studio from the wonderful blues musician and storyteller Robert B. Jones. It'll be an hour of stories about how to stay connected to the things and the people who are important to you. I'm Sam Payne. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. For a bite! Brought to you by the Appleseed.